what a what a backdrop here this morning. I tell you, this is a blessing, and uh, they have they have worked so hard because if you know it was up and then down and then up and and they've been working so hard at it, and we're so thrilled to be able to know that we're going to have children here this coming week that's going to be blessed. I I thought about when they were singing this morning, and Dick just got back from vacation. I had a little question when I seen that hat on his head, and more than that, when I seen the bottle laying on the stage. <laughs> what a great guy. We appreciate Dick and his family. I thought about the pastor, you know, that had been invited to the farmer's house for dinner, and after they finished dinner, they went out and were sitting on the porch, and and the pastor looked over into the yard, and he seen this beautiful rooster just strutting along like he was a big shot. And he said to the man, he said, well, you know, he said, that certainly is a, uh, that, 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 that thing looks so proud. He looks like he's the proudest rooster in the county. And the farmer said, well, he ought to be. He just, he had a son that just entered the ministry. Now, some of you didn't get it because, you know, preachers eat chicken. <laughs> Sometimes it falls. It, you catch on after a while. Well, I want to I wanna say on this Father's Day that, uh, you know, I was accused through the years in ministry, pastoring all the years that I did, that uh, many times we would challenge the women, you know, really challenge women on Mother's Day. And a fellow said to me one time, why in the world, or a gal, really, she said, why in the world do you always put demands on the women, but you never say much about demands for men? And so I thought about that, and I thought, well, maybe I need to tell men some instructions as well. The Bible teaches us over in the book of Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, uh, it it has a couple of verses that I want to share on how a father ought to be and how he ought to be an example to his family. And Paul is talking about this. Paul was relating to the church and relating to the followers of, of what he saw in a father. And so in, uh, if you look in the verse in chapter number 2, uh, I want to drop down to verse number 9. And Paul is saying, Surely... You remember, brothers, the toil and the hardship we work night and day in order to be, not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, on how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you that believed. For you knew that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who called you into the kingdom and glory. Now, I want you to notice that Paul recognized fathers. Paul said... We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children. Now, the responsibility is that the father is to be encouraging. 
Now, I know a lot of fathers that are not very encouraging. They're pretty demanding. But you know what? He said we need to be encouraging. We need to be comforting. And we also may be urging them to live lives that are worthy. Worthy of God and worthy of His kingdom. Then the text verse comes from the Proverbs 17. And Proverbs 17 says, Children's children are a crown to the age. And the parents are the pride of their children. That means that a father is to be the pride of his children. Let me ask you, Dad. Are your children proud of who you are, how you live, what you do? When I begin to think about that, today's language, that means grandchildren are the crown of old age. (laughs) You know, that's why we love our grandchildren so much. Grandchildren are the crown of old age. And the pride of the children are their fathers. If the fathers, if the pride of the children is their fathers, What kind of fathers ought we to be? Think about that. What kind of fathers ought we to be? The poet said, Daddy had a little boy. His soul was white as snow. He never went to Sunday school and church because Daddy didn't go. He never heard the things of Christ that thrilled the childish mind. While other children went to class, this child was left behind. As he grew from babe to youth, Dad saw to his dismay, the soul that once was white as snow had now become a dingy gray. Realizing his child was lost, Dad tried to win him back. But now the soul that once was white had turned an ugly black. Dad even went back to church and Bible study too. He even begged the preacher, isn't there anything you can do? The preacher tried and failed and said, We're just too far behind. I tried to tell you years ago, but you would pay no mind. So another soul was lost that once was white as snow. Sunday school and church would have helped, but Daddy didn't go. What a sad note that is for a father. What a sad note that is for us today to realize that We have a responsibility to our children, not only sons, but also to our daughters. And so when I begin to think about that, I ask the question of myself, what do we need, Dad? We need to be faithful. As fathers, we need to be faithful. We need, first of all, to be faithful to God. God who created us, God who has called us. Not to your office, not to your job, not to your sports, not to your golf buddies. My friend, we must first of all be faithful to God. Put God first and everything else will go right for you as a dad. So you need to learn how to be faithful to God first. And then you need to be faithful to your family. To your family, let me tell you something. That family that you have, that that little family that I have, is a congregation that God has put me over. You see, that's my responsibility as a father. That little congregation puts you, they're in your hands to carry and to nourish them and to teach them. I got a card from 
a grandson, a number of years ago, he was about seven years old. This little fellow loved to come to our house. He loved to be out with things that I was doing. But he made a homemade card, and I'll never forget it. I kept it. It said, Grandpa, you are the bestest of the bestest of all grandfathers. I love you. You know what? I thought about that. What if I would have failed my family? What if I would have not loved and encouraged that little boy? You see, he was only seven years old. I can remember him coming to the church. On vacation, he'd come and spend a week. He'd want to spend three. But he would come to the church, and he would love the custodians, and he loved the sound people would come in like they do and, and get things ready for Sunday. And, and so they had the microphones on, and we had a song when we were out in the truck driving around, and he'd always sing that song called He Can Do. You remember that song? Cortez used to do it. He Can Do, He Can Do. Who can do anything? Nobody but my Lord. And you know, he loved that song, and so he grabbed that microphone, and I, 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 we started singing. Nobody else was in the church. We started singing that song. And you know what? That little boy, he, he learned that song because, you see, we were teaching him that you don't be afraid to do things for God in the church. You see, we need to teach our children I don't care if the preacher of the Proverbs does call me an old man. I want to tell you, the children's children are the pride of old men. The pride of my life is those four grandboys, because I know who they are. I know what they are. Even the grandson that I have, that's the oldest grandson, who is a special need child. He can't read. He can't write. But I'm going to tell you, folks, he knows the Church of God hymns. He can sing every verse, and some of you can't. You see, because of the fact is, is that he was raised in church. That's only music he ever knew, and his daddy's a singer. And so, you see, that grandchild has learned something. And so what we do when we get together, the first thing he does, he picks up the phone. He wants to sing to me, and he knows there's a song that we got going between us, you know. He lives in Pennsylvania, and I'm in Ohio, and he'll sing this song. He loves, uh, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. And I say, now, Grandpa don't like snow. Let's sing the song. Let the sun shine in. Face it with a grin. And so we sing back and forth to one another. You see, that little child always knows, and he knows one thing. He knows the power of prayer. When that little boy goes to the hospital for a test, and he's gone through many of them. But I'm going to tell you something. When he gets down there and they begin to poke needles in him and try to hold him down, I'm going to tell you something. He gets all shook up and he says, Daddy, call Grandma and Grandpa. Call Grandma and Grandpa. When we get on the phone, the first words is, Pray! Pray! Because he knows the power of prayer. You see, that's a congregation that we have. And we have responsibilities to that. You know, what if, what if I've been unfaithful to that little boy? You see, we need to be faithful to our family. I think we ought to also be faithful to our work. You know what? Show your children that it's hard work does pay off. Show your children that work is important. No matter what you do, and you know, uh, this is one thing that I can say through the years as I look and I, I watch my son who's in ministry. He's in a congregation, the same congregation for the last 28 years. But you know what? He's had a lot of uh, uh, associates in and out, in and out, in and out. 
And I, he keeps crawling me. He said, Dad, my associate, he just lost his youth pastor again. Now, he said, Dad, I don't know what's going on. What's happening here? He said, I, I think it's because I demand that we work. And I said, that's right. Because, you see, through the years, that was the, I think that's the reason he left me. <laughs> he was my associate. Because, you know what, you have to work. You, you can't expect people to come if you don't work at it, if you don't visit them, if you don't become a part of their life and find out who they are. And, you know, in his congregation, he's learned that. He's learned that through ministry, and he demands that. And so, therefore... The people don't want to work. They want to walk away. You know, they want to do the job for nothing. But you know what? We need to teach our children the value of work. Don't do everything for them. Teach them how to clean their room. Teach them how to mow the grass. Teach them how to weed in the garden. Teach them. They won't like it. I didn't say they'd like it. It's not. You're not a parent to be liked. You're not their friend. You are their teacher. You are their parent. And so, therefore, you have a responsibility. Teach them how to work. Well, I could go on and on. Be, be faithful to the church. Teach them how to be faithful to the church. You know what? Support prayer meetings as a dad. Pray for the church. Pray for the pastor. I mean, you say, that guy don't have anything much to say. Then pray for me. Give me. God will give me something to say. You see, prayer changes things. Prayer. Go to evangelistic meetings. Go to camp meetings. Go to worship service. Volunteer to be a part of the youth in teaching the youth. Volunteer to being part of a children's network. Volunteer this coming week to be a part of this great Bible school that we're going to have. You see... Kids need to know that their dad cares. And they're going to be proud of the fact that when dad shows up, that he's there. You know what? We need to be proud of our... It takes men to lead and men to follow for the church to make an impact on the world for Jesus Christ. You see, we need to have children that are proud of us. Well, there's a second thing. Not only do you need to be faithful, but I think you need to be available. Men need to be available Dad, God wants to hear from you regularly. He doesn't want to hear from you when things are going tough, when, when it looks like the job's slowing down and you're praying, God, help them get more business so I don't get laid off. You know, a lot of times we pray, oh, my car's not doing too good, and so you begin to pray, God will open a door and find you another good car that will be run well. You know, there's things that we pray for, but we need to pray with God every day instead of saying, Lord, give me. Lord, what can I do for you? You see, we need to learn, my friend, what it is to be available. Make yourself available to Him so that He can touch this world through you and the creative powers to win others to Christ, to win your family to Christ. God, you know what, has always had a problem with men. You go back to the book of Revelations and you'll find that when God came to the Garden of Eden, He couldn't find Adam. You see, you know what, sometimes God can't find us. Sometimes God has trouble finding us, you know. Sometimes we, we are not available. So, so we, need to, we need to be available if you're going to be the pride of your children, if you're going to be, have, have, do what you need to be, you're going to have to be available to God and your family. Adjust your schedules. 
You see, you need to adjust your schedules for whatever it is. You need to, if you're going to be used of God, you need to adjust your schedule. You know, I've known people that have adjusted their schedule. I've known men that have gone on work camps with me that, that, that adjusted their schedule and said, I don't want to cheat my family out of a vacation, so I'm going to hold up some of these special days that I have. I'm going to set it up so that I can take the, and do both with my family as well as work for the Lord. You know, I've known people to take their vacation time teaching Bible school because they just wanted to be with their kids. You know what? We need to be available. Then there's another thing we need to do, Dad. We need to be tithers. Let me tell you something. Children only learn from their parents. They only learn from, from those that have, they're around all the time. And we know what? When a man robs God... He's robbing himself and his family from blessings. The blessings. You know what? I thought about this. A tithering man who knows his blessings comes from God, not from his skills, not from his creativities, not because he created some great business. Let me tell you something. God knows tithing was instituted by God for man's benefit, not for God's. Why, God owns it all. Why? He doesn't worry about your 10%. He owns it all. But you need to teach your children. I can remember it was a big deal as my kids grew up and as they got their first little jobs and, and things got... Now, we never hardly paid. I mean, we just well, we were just poor old preachers. We didn't give our children uh, money for nothing. They worked for what they got. And you know what? When they would work for it, and, and after they would get it, then we'd sit down and say, Now, isn't it wonderful? They'd come in all excited. Man, I got $5. And I'd sit down and say, Now, okay, what's 10% of that? You need to deduct it. <laughs> you know, they didn't have $5. And so, you know what? But they learned that. They, they've been taught that. And it's amazing to me. I mean, I, I don't. I, I would never pay a bill online because I don't know a whole lot about that stuff. That's beyond my error. Uh, I'm admitting my age, and I admit I that's something I don't understand. I won't get too heavily involved in. But I thank God that uh, I look at my daughter. She's growing. I mean, she's a grown woman. She's got three sons, and 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 when I hear her say that, automatically out of my checking account, automatically the church gets their percentage every week, every pay period. I'm thankful that somewhere along the line something's stuck in their head. You know what? You can't get them to tithe unless you teach them to. I don't want any of those loose dollars back that I've tithed because God has multiplied them in my life and in my family. You know something? Automobiles lasted me longer. And you know what? Tires have lasted me longer. And, and I got better gas mileage out of cars that nobody else could get mileage out of because God was there and knew what was needed and took care of it. You see, I believe that. I, I, some people might think that's far-fetched, but I'm going to tell you something God's always taken care of. I would be a fool if I ever wanted back any of that tithe money. The Bible says that the, it belongs to the Lord. If you're going to be the crowning of your children's pride, then tithe and do it regularly. And let them see you do it. Let them know what that money is for. 
When you lay it aside or you write that check, it's nice to be able to show it to your children once in a while or let them drop it in the offering plate. I'm, I tell you, I must have one good daddy around here anyway because this morning when the offering plate started off, hey, wait for the usher to get back. That little old gal come running down the hall, down that aisleway right there and drop that offering in. You know what? She'd been taught something. She'd been taught something about it. When you make that determination, God smiles and says, well done. And then something more marvelous is going to happen. Well, let me just say, there's a third thing that I think. Dad, you need to be honest. we got a real problem in our nation today. we got a real problem in our world today. Dishonesty dominates our society. But I want to tell you one thing. Listen real close. Just because it dominates our society, it doesn't dominate God. God knows whether you're honest or not. God knows whether you tell the truth or not. God knows whether you're being what you ought to be. To make your children capable and honest, my friend, they need to begin with education. Have you been honest with God? As a man, have you been honest with God this morning? Then secondly, I need to ask you, have you been honest with your companion? You see, today in our world, the society's a mess because we got so many men that have made it up the ladder, but up the ladder, they got them lives messed up. And here they are out there, and now we see these politicians and these big people in command dropping like flies because they know people are going to look at their past, and God already knows it. They've not been faithful. They've not been honest. I know a preacher that I've known for years when he came to retirement. All those years, raised a big church. But you know what? When he retired, it came out. Finally, now that he wasn't that big shot preacher, it came out that number of years back, over 21 years earlier, he had an affair with a woman and had a child out of wedlock and never left the ministry. But you know what? It caught him. He thought he had it made. He thought he made it all the way through to retirement, but he lost it all. What a terrible thing to have to have that exposure at that time in life. But you know what? He should have corrected it a long time ago. He can't blame it on anybody else. Let me tell you something. Have you been honest with your companion? Have you been honest with your children? Have you really been honest with your children? I mean, and instead of just saying no or, or we'll think about it or, or no, we're not going to do that or, or whatever, you be honest with them. Sit down with them and tell them why we don't do certain things and why we do do certain things. Be honest with them. Let them know what life is all about. Are you honest with your boss? Oh, man, you know, that really hits home, doesn't it? When, when you know, when, when somebody says, oh, man, it's a beautiful day. I got a friend. I got a friend. He'd rather golf than do anything. <laughs> and you know what? He's always, I keep, I keep getting after him. I said, now, don't call in with a headache and then hit up out, out there and hit 18 holes of golf. Be honest with your boss. Be honest with, your, with the person you're working with. Help them to know. Are you honest with yourself? See, that's the thing that's worse than anything. When you can't be honest with yourself, when you can't believe in yourself, when you can't trust yourself, you see, we need to be honest. The Word, my friend, must be your bond. When you give your Word, it ought to be, it ought to be your bond. There ought not to be any changes in it. And years ago, you know, they used to have that. 
used to go, you know, if you said something, you know, I, I, I can remember my dad saying as we grew up as boys and, and there was a lot of family and he grew up as boys. He said, I want you boys to remember one thing. You're a swagger. Your word. Don't say it and not do it. If you're going to do it, do it and say you're going to do it. If you're not, be honest enough to say to the person, I can't or I won't. So I've learned that through the years. It's not the most popular thing in the world because there's some standards that I have, even in ministry, that when people call me and say, well, you know, so-and-so, why look at this person over there, look at that person over there. It don't make any difference. I've got to live with me. I've got a standard that I've got to live by, and I've got to be honest to myself and the honest to my word. Well, there's another thing I think that dads need today. You need to be enthusiastic. <laughs> you ever notice that women go around bouncing all the time. Men kind of just follow around with their head down in the sand. We need to be enthusiastic. Yeah, I looked that word up. The enthusiastic, that's a hard word. That's, that's, you think you had a hard word? I got a hard word too. Enthusiasm. You know, from the Greek, it literally means God in us. Did you know that? That word enthusiastic means God in us. It literally means God in us. With God, we have something to live for. We have something to die for. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let a man lose everything but his enthusiasm. And he'll come through with success. If you have the enthusiasm, if you have God in you, are you enthusiastic about God? I, I, you know, I don't know about you. I, I get, kind of get excited. I, I start getting excited about Friday afternoon and Saturday. And I'm a little restless. I, I'm not a setter. And I, I keep thinking about what I'm going to talk about. And how I'm going. To, and you know what? I keep thinking, man, I, I've got to be enthusiastic about this. If I'm not excited about what God's doing and going to do, how can anybody else be? And so you've got to have enthusiasm when you do it. You know, with God, you have something to be enthusiastic about. Are you enthusiastic about your family? I mean, when I think about my family, I think about my kids, you know, and I think about my grandkids, and I think about my, my brothers and sisters, my siblings, you know. And you know what? I, I'm enthusiastic about it because, you know, no matter what happens, I, I find that they still come to realization that God can do great things. They, they know that God's done great things. And so even in the hour of despair and hours of, of difficulties, when they're not living for the Lord, who do they call? They call the one that's enthusiastic about what God can do. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived, I let them know that today can be a new day. Today can be a new change. If you'll trust God, and you need to be enthusiastic enough to know that God's done something in your life. Are you enthusiastic about your job? You know, you know I lost a son in 93. But, but you know, he graduated, before he even graduated from high school, we lived in Bell Fountain and and down the road there in Marysville, they had a, a new Honda plant, you know. And uh, he knew, he talked to a lot of people in our church who went to Honda, and, and they paid pretty good money, and they, they had quite a few good benefits. And, and of course, he said, I, 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 when I graduate, I, I don't want to go to college. Jimmy had been in college all these years, and oh, he's going to come out with a big debt. I, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go to Honda and get me a job. And you know what? 
He was in 11th grade at school. He sent an application to Honda. I said, son, they ain't going to hire you. You're in high school. But you know what? He sent that application enthusiastically. The next year, he sent another one. He got out of school and he went to work for Herbie Yoder and learned how to weld and weld aluminum and weld all these special weld things. And, and you know what? All of a sudden, one day, he said, Dad, I got a call. I got a call from Honda. They want me as a welder. You see, he was so enthusiastic about it. I mean, you, talk, you, you, would, you couldn't talk to him without him telling you how all the things that Honda was going to do for him. You see, he was enthusiastic about his job. I, I, you know what? I, I, I like that. I'm enthusiastic about my job. I mean, I might lose it tomorrow. I mean, you might find somebody tomorrow, but I'm still enthusiastic because I, I love what I do and I love the Lord and I want you to know that God loves you and, and you know, whatever I can do, we need to be enthusiastic. We need to be enthusiastic about our church. Uh, Louise talked about that this morning. The fellow said, man, that church over there, I mean, they're enthusiastic enough to give toothpaste and save people's teeth. I mean, what more could we do if we got that enthusiastic? If we could set a goal of how many people we are going to win to Jesus Christ next year and would be that enthusiastic about it. If we would say, I'm going to spend this much time in prayer for them. I'm going to go visit them. I'm going to spend a little money on them and take them to lunch. I'm going to do something to win them to Jesus Christ. What a difference it would make. People want to know about our church. Someone wrote one time, a man, that some men are enthusiastic for 30 minutes. Others for, uh, you know, maybe, maybe as long as 30 days. But the man that's a success is the one that's enthusiastic for 30 years. I mean, you get enthusiasm going. We also need to be use our responsibility. Be responsible, Dad. This is an area where we shirk a lot. Did you know that the Bible teaches that man ought to be able to have control of his household? You know what that means? That means we need to be responsible for discipline. You know, I, I honestly believe this. I've lived long enough to realize that there were more, there, there was a lot more character, a lot more reverence, a lot less crime, a lot less rape, a lot less unwed pregnancies, a lot less child abuse when the woodshed was in the backyard of every home. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about abuse. Kind of reminds me, you know, of, the, uh, of, of what the Solomon said. Solomon said, foolishness is rooted in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. <laughs> the mother they had a little boy that uh, about seven or eight years old, and she'd been working all day getting supper ready, and it was a special day. 
It was a day when they were going to have the wonderful supper. It was on a Friday, and, and when Dad got home, she wanted the table set beautiful and the food all ready. And this little fellow had been in her hair and given her all kinds of fits all day. She kept saying to him, get outside, get outside, get outside. Finally, he come running through the house, had something tied to his back, it hooked onto the tablecloth, it jerked the table, all the dishes, everything onto the floor. She was so upset, she grabbed the broom and started after him. The old boy ran out, run down the porch, jumped down under and crawled back under that porch. As soon as her husband walked through the door, she said, All right, that son of yours, you need to get out there and discipline him. He said, Where's he at? He said, I think he ran under the porch. So Dad got down. He crawled back through and he sees these little old beady eyes. He keeps crawling to that little boy who's screwing back in the corner. And, and pretty soon he got about that far from him. He said, is she after you too? Uh-huh. See, the discipline sometimes, you know, is our responsibility. And so how do you discipline them? Well, you know, discipline, it's the Father's basic responsibility. Discipline doesn't mean losing your temper and striking uncontrollable rage upon your children. But after the worst of the crying, after the child has been corrected and they're weeping and the worst of their crying, you ought to mingle your tears with their tears and hug them and tell them the real reason why they're in trouble. You see, that's the kind of discipline we need today. Many children don't have the slightest idea what's happening. Dads need to be responsible for discipline in the home. And another thing, I'm almost done. But another thing is the responsible to provide. You know, the reason why we have what we do today is because a lot of people don't provide for their home. A lot of men, they'd rather do everything else and let the wife get the better job. Let her take care of us. But you know what the Bible says? If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. King James says is an infidel. According to the nationwide survey that I read not long ago, there's three words that children hear more than anything from a father. The first word is, I'm too tired. When that boy comes in and said, Dad, let's throw the ball. I'm too tired. And that little girl comes in and said, look what I made. I'm too tired. The second word that they hear is, we don't have enough money. We don't have, we can't afford that. Why, they have, they can afford it, we can't afford that. And the third thing that they hear is, just keep quiet. I'm reading the paper. I'm listening to the news. I'm watching that ball game. Be quiet. But how thrilling it is when children receive the affection from their father and their desire to be like him. One little boy put it in these years. What do you, they were asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? When you reach the manhood years, what are you going to be? A doctor? Are you got a goal to be a lawyer? You're going to be an order to great, moving people to laughter and tears. The little fellow shook his head and said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I just want to be like my dad. What a joy. What a joy it is to know. 
You know, there, there, there was a poem that came out a number of years ago, and hey, Bill Gaither read it a lot, talked about it a lot, but it kind of drives home what I'm talking about today. I ne- may never be as clever as my neighbor down the street. I may never have the wealth some other men have met. I may never have the glory that some other men have had. But I've got to be successful of that little fellow's death. There are certain dreams I cherish that I'd like to see come true. There are things I would accomplish when my working day is through. But the task of my heart is set on is to guide that little lad and to make my life successful as that little fellow's dad. I may never have the glory of other men have, may have. I may never count my failure in my business life as told. But if he who follows after is Christian, I'll be glad. For then I will know I've been successful as that little fellow's dad. My friend, that ought to be the prayer of every father in this building this morning. What is the best news you've ever heard? Maybe it's been you've had this dream for this special job. You've trained yourself for it. You've applied for it. It's been weeks and you haven't heard. And then all of a sudden the letter comes, we would like to hire you. That's great news. Other news that may have come to you, that may have come perhaps from a daughter or a son who called you up and said, Dad, we need to have lunch. I've got some great news for you. And you sit across the table from this young couple who's been married just a year or so, and they say, you're going to become Grandpa. That's great news. Or you may have got the word from the doctor The doctor may have said, listen, with all that you've gone through and all the treatment you had, from what we see in the last test, the cancer's gone. Great news. But you know what would be greater news? It's to be here those children behind the doors are talking to the neighbor kids. I've got the greatest dad in the world. I've got a dad that loves Jesus. I've got a dad that takes me to church. Have children that have that kind of respect for you. Dads, it's time we take responsibility. On this Father's Day, the greatest gift you can give to your family is for them to know that you are serving the Lord. And for you and your house, we are going to serve the Lord. That's the greatest message that can be given to any one of us. I'm going to ask this morning, I want us to pay a special prayer for every father in this building. I want every dad to stand up for a moment. Will you? Every dad, just stand up. And I want all you ladies to agree with me as we pray. Father, as we stand on this Father's Day in this building, We thank you for these men that, Lord, you have given to us. And, Lord, we pray today that every one of these men that stand here today 
would look to you and ask for special guidance in their life. Lord, some of them are raising young children that in a world that is in a terrible mess. And Lord, without their guidance, without their love, without their encouragement, these children won't have a chance. Oh God, we pray that You'd give them insight today. Help them to be the father that they need to be. Then Lord, there are many of them that are standing here that are grandpas and some great-grandpas. And Lord, we pray that even in old age, we can become the pride of our children and grandchildren. So Father, we pray to help us to be the grandparent that we need to be. Not just giving them gifts, but Lord, giving them the instructions on how to live a holy and a godly life before Jesus. Father, we pray right now a special blessing on every father in this building today. May they go out of this place, Lord, with a new sense of new duty, a new challenge, with new enthusiasm, Lord, to go out there and to live that life before their family and before their neighbors, and Lord, to win others to the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you this morning for every one of them, and we just ask your blessings upon them today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now you ladies can stand along with us as we sing a song.